Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Judges, the Old Testament Judges? Look at chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Judges 14, 1 through 9, please. Bible pages turning is a sweet, sweet sound. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Isn't that an amazing story? (laughs) That is an amazing story right here. It sure is. The truth that we want to see this morning out of it is how God helps us in ways we do not expect and how that something that seems to be our greatest fear And the worst tragedy of our lives and the potential danger can turn out to be the greatest blessing and bring sweetness and joy. That's what happened to Samson. I want to say a little bit about the background or the context of this. We already see from the scriptures that the Philistines obviously were not of God's people. They worshiped Dagon, the false gods. But they were here, and they were in charge of Israel, so to speak. They had dominion over them. And so they needed deliverance, Israel did, from these uncircumcised Philistines. It's amazing how much trouble the Philistines causes Israel all throughout the Old Testament. You know, David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. So as we see this, we we understand that we too have Philistines in our lives. And so we have one way to get delivered from that. And that's God. 
So as we see this, we understand that here's Samson now, a, a type really of Jesus Christ. He is a Nazarite, which is a, is a situation where he has sworn that he will not cut his hair and he will not drink wine or strong drink, and it was a part of a rite that the Nazarites took on. Well, Samson was that way. And so he, he goes and he sees this woman of the Philistines and he liked her a lot. And he says, as we see from the scripture, he tells his mom and daddy, I want her for my wife. Now I say to all you young children or young men and women, as you grow up and and get to that marriage age and situation, it's always good to talk to your mom and dad about that, you know. It's one way you honor your father and your mother. Now, it doesn't seem like that Samson's parents endorsed this arrangement of marriage. See, in the Old Testament, particularly, the, the marriage were arranged, the fathers had, had a big part of that, as we see here. So Samson wants the graces of his parents. You know, I still remember uh, uh, three of my daughters and one of my granddaughters were married. Uh, I still remember the time and the place that their, their husbands now called me and said, Mr. Randy, can I talk to you? And they came and talked to me about taking my daughter and my granddaughter to be their wives. Special moments. But at the same time, it's not a time either, though as we parents may not agree all the times with who our children marry, that it's not occasion that we should uh, cause them wrath and, and all that. So we see that they go along with this. This marriage. So I want to say four things uh, under the theme of, of the sweet by and by. And I think we can see that clearly here that, that sometimes the arrangements and the situations in life do not elude for the sweetest things, but they turn out to be just right. Sometimes you've got to wait for God. Sometimes you got to see the bees of God's promises and you got to give them time to swarm and to build the honey. And that's what they'll do. And there's lots of them. So the first thing I want to say from this text regarding help, sweet help, is this, that oftentimes we find that help comes in a way not expected. We do not know always what God is doing. Now, when I first started reading this, I said, well, Samson, you ought to know better than to go take a Philistine for a wife. You're going to embarrass your parents, and you're going to fall into a bunch of sin." You know, God talks about not being unequally yoked. You need to really be careful who you marry. Okay? That's what I thought first. But look at verse 4. 
But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. <laughs> you understand what he's saying? See, ain't I know God was in this. Well, why was God in it? Because God was going to deliver the Philistines to the Israelites. And he was going to do it in a way that they didn't expect it. So God put it in Samson's mind to see this woman. Now, it's not at all that she was just beautiful. The scripture says that she had a younger sister that was more pretty or beautiful than she. But Samson had an inclination of this woman. Where did he get that? It came from God. I want you to know, and this makes me feel better as a parent and a grandparent, particularly in the world we're living, that God has a contingency plan for every life. Your children's life, God has a plan, and his providence will open that up. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that sweet? Oh, the sweet providential winds of God. Blow, God, blow. God has a plan for every life. God knows who you're going to marry. He does. But you don't know that God knows it. And God lets us have the, uh, have the uh, right or make decisions and choices. But where do we get that from? Where do we get that desire from? We get it from God. Where do you get the desire to come to church and worship God? You get it from God. <laughs> That's where. But it doesn't always seem like where hell's coming from. We got to get on our knees, my friends, and understand that we have to be absolutely honest with God. Because help doesn't come without repentance. And repentance is not just having a sense of sin, repentance is having an absolute helplessness. Do not try to hide from God, do not try to make excuses or justify something you did wrong. You bring it out in the light with God, and he will help you. You try to make an excuse with God, and you try to portray how clean your life is, he will walk away from you, and he will leave you in a puddle of sweat. I have been there. So God sends heaven ways we don't understand. When my sister Karen was married in Colorado years ago, I went there for the wedding. And I'd always heard about rhubarb pie. How sweet it was. So I got there and I said, Karen, I want some rhubarb pie. And she said, I, I tell you what, you go down to the grocery store and get some rhubarb and I'll make you a pie. So I go down to a, uh, a Leadville, Colorado in a, in a grocery store and I find rhubarb. But it was not what I thought it would be. Have you ever seen rhubarb? It looks like a stalk of lettuce. I mean, no joke, I saw it there and I had to ask somebody and I know they caught my southern accent, but, but I said, 
this is rhubarb? I mean, it's stalks of lettuce, literally. Or celery, celery. I said lettuce, I meant celery. But I'm going to tell you what it'll do. You put it in the pot and you cook it right and it is sweet. When God blesses you and sends sweetness in your life, sometimes it don't look like he's going to help you. When my mama said, Randy, I'm going to whip you, but it hurts me more than you, I did not understand that. It didn't look like to me that it was so sweet. But I needed it so much. God chastens who he loves, you know. So, so help, first of all, comes in ways that we don't understand them coming. But I want to say this. The best way to live a sweet life, if you want to live a sweet life. Now again, I'm not talking about donuts and Twinkies. I'm talking about happiness and joy. If you want to live that kind of life, you obey God. Now, it is true that God helps those who do not help themselves, who cannot help themselves. But it is also true that God will not help you if you're going to neglect him, deny him, and sin against his holy word. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll see that really, really clear. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And we can see God work. Sometimes the sugar just needs stirring that we already have. It says, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Notice, these are things you do. Grace is not a do-nothing religion. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Then look at verse 6. So that, those first five verses are the so that, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Okay? You see the prerequisite? And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now that's living a sweet life. Yet, we have the idea that we can live any old way we want to. We can sleep who we want to, with who we want to. We can do anything we want to on the Lord's day. We can talk the way we want to. We can be what we want to be. And yet God is going to help us. I have been on the receiving end of phone calls from the jail 
Randy, would you bring me a Bible? Now, you don't wait till you get into jail that you want a Bible. You carry the Bible now, and later on, it will carry you. We need to know that, my friends. We need to know that God is serious in this world about living because there is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 5, Judges 14. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. Now, Samson was not hunting lions. He was. You don't have to look for evil. It will look for you. You don't never know who you're going to get in the elevator with. You don't ever know what you're going to have to face tomorrow. A young lion may roar against you. He might have jumped on you when you sit down in that pew. And you start thinking, well, they think this and this about me. <laughs> or look at so-and-so over there. Their they life is perfect, we say. Or, or, you know, I'm going to doubt this. I, I don't know if I can be forgiven. So these lines are there, my friends, and, and yet we understand that Jesus Christ conquered Satan, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, slain yet standing. So my second point is understanding that we do need help. And we need it desperately. But unless we really understand we need help, we won't realize the benefit of the sweetness of it. Because unless we understand when we lose our freedom, we don't understand the sweetness till we get it back. What we need to do is go ahead and accept the worst. You don't have to do this all by yourself, this deal called life. It's okay to admit you need help. You don't have to be so smart. You don't have to, to, to worry about people uh, looking down on you because you need help. A while ago, I walked in the church. Somebody was already here, a few people, and I had to ask my wife to help me button my shirt sleeve. I mean, the starch was so thick this time, I couldn't even button it. I want you to know that God will help you when you need help in big things and little things. But there's, there's a young lion that will roar against us. And we need to understand we need help. And we need to understand that alone 
You got it? Samson was alone. And if you can't stand alone, you won't stand very long at all. If you got to get around friends and you got to get around Facebook and you got to get around all the medias of life and you got to make sure everybody likes you, my friends, you will not last long. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is most profoundly critical. Because Jesus says the way is straight and the gate is narrow and few there be that find it. There's things you're going to have to do. It's got to be you and Jesus. Just the two of you. And that's when you understand you really do need help. That you go to him and you plead with him and you say, God, I need help. Have you told him that lately? Are you still trying to wiggle out of it and figure out a way that you won't embarrass yourself and let people know how weak you are? But God said, in your weakness is your strength. Don't be ashamed to say you need help. That's God's way. but you got to do it alone. And you got to be understanding you need the help. Look at verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told his fa- not his father or his mother what he had done. So my third point is, when you think about help, sweet help, is that we have help now. 1 John 4, 1, 4 says, He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to tell you guys is you have something in you that's stronger than this world or any line that can roar against you. But Satan is sneaky. He will try to make you think you have nothing. But God said in Zechariah 4.4 or 4.6, he says, not by power or by might, but by my spirit. Oh, goodness, we need to see the power of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is our helper, calling often. Jesus Christ is living, he ever liveth, to make intercession. He's promised us that we may boldly come to this throne of grace to find help in time of need. God says in Psalm 46, 1, he's a very present help in time of trouble. That word trouble there means tight places. You ever been in a tight place? You have a helper. The Holy Spirit. You have a helper you don't even know you have. But he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He won't. Psalms 121.1 says, I look into the hills when cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who created heaven and earth. Look up to God and find that help. And see the sweetness 
of His new creation in your own life. We have help now. You see, the bend in the road is not the end of the road. That lion roared at Samson. That wasn't the end of it. Because immediately God's presence was there and His Holy Spirit delivered him. And God says in Psalms 50, 15, Call upon me in the time of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. And that's exactly what we need to be doing is glorifying God. How are we going to do that if we don't need, we know we need help? And if we don't believe we have it now. I mean, what good is this book if it doesn't have any pages in it? It's good for nothing. What good is that flower vase if it doesn't have any flowers in it? What good is a car if it doesn't have any wheels? It's good for nothing. What good is a person that doesn't glorify God? I say they're good for nothing. What we got to understand is there's only one letter difference in the two words, hell and help. And the L and the second L in hell is just leave off God. Laziness. Lingering. Lust. Put the P there, that's the help. Praise God. Put Him as a priority of your life. Promote everything about Him in your life and kingdom. Take your pain with pleasure and say, God, you suffered for me. Why should I be spared? Okay. We have help now. I want you to know that we. God's not going to leave you without a help. Lastly, look at verse 8. And after a time, he returned to take her. That is his wife, probably about a year. He, in this Old Testament, they were betrothed. You know, you, you, you say, this is going to be my wife. You pay the dowry, and then you go back later to take her home. That's what was happening. Some reliable Bible commentator said, I appreciate things about a year. The lion was killed. Samson threw him, obviously, off the side of the road in the woods. And the vultures had already got all the meat out and, and the weather and the arid conditions and all the sun had probably bleached the carcass and all that's there is maybe a skeleton and maybe right in the cage of the rib cage of the lion these bees make a, a nest and have honey. Just, I'm assuming that, but I, I, it could happen. Okay. So after a time he returned, that is Samson, to take her, that is his wife, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And, and that forms my fourth point is this. What makes help sweet is that we have to note where our help comes from. I want you to spend the rest of this day just reflecting on how many and how many ways God has actually helped you. Do not let this day go by without you blessing God and say, God, you've helped me. That's what Samson did. 
He said, I had this lion jump on me, but, but the Spirit of God come on me, and I don't know how I did it, but God did it, and he got, I killed the lion, and I put him there. I want to just see what happened again. Every time I get over here on the bypass, there's an intersection where our granddaughter Kelsey got in a pretty serious wreck. I always think how God delivered that youngin right there. I mean, how many times God has helped us. Puts you up an Ebenezer stone. That's what 1 Samuel's about. The, 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 the Philistines were there too. And they thought that the Ark of the Covenant was going to be their suffice. They were going to be, they were going to be the help. Their religion was going to help them. And we find that in 1 Samuel 4 and 5. that They, they thought as long as they had the Ark of the Covenant, they was going to be fine. In our world today, there are people that say, as long as I go to church, you know, every now and then, I'm going to be all right. You may end up in hell. Got it? If you're basing your help on religion, my friends, you're going to be disappointed. They thought that, and when they thought, let's get to fetch the Ark of the Covenant, and, and when it came, and that's what they depended on, they said, well, I can still worship the idols, but, but as long as we got the Ark here, it's okay. They ended up being defeated by the Philistines. But in 1 Samuel 6 and 7, when Samuel brings them to understand, you've got to repent. You've got to get honest with God and bring this stuff to light. I'm going to say what we got to do to understand God's help. Jesus Christ can change water into wine, but he can change wine into water. He can take those things, those family members that we've hurt. He can take those things that we've done that are so wrong, and he can make them sweet. That is what the help of God does. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going. Samuel said in 1 Samuel 7, 12, he said, let's put a stone right here. And he says there, hitherto has the Lord helped us. I'm going to read that right quick. 1 Samuel 7, 12. You don't have to turn there. It'll be a quick look at this verse, but it's so powerful. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mispah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. We need to be mindful of where the, you're talking about revival, people looking for revival. Sometimes I think God's going to, we think God's going to revive us and we forget what he's already done. Huh. I mean, what do you think God thinks about that? God saved us by his grace. He's given us his spirit. What else will you want him to do? What more could he have done than give Jesus as your savior? So we need to note our help. And Samuel goes out and does it publicly. He has honey dripping from his hands. You don't have to worry about etiquette when you got the gospel. You just shell it out. Just let it drip, okay? Just let it get all over you. Your cup runs over. You say, oh God, what is this honey? The honey is God's promise. How he, what he's done in your life. 
Even though it's been through some trials and tragedies, you see the sweetness because the reason God allows that so many times is so you might comfort somebody else. Do you know that? We need to share that, honey. Jesus says in Mark, he tells a man he, he, he's healed. He says, you, he says I'm going to go with you, Lord, wherever you go. You remember what Jesus told him in Mark? I think it's Mark 5, 19. He says, go home to thy friend. And tell them what good things the Lord has done for thee. Have you told your children how good the Lord has done to you? Even your children need to hear it. You start in your homes and you build from there and you spread that honey. And you get sticky with God. You know some of the sweetest honey is Tupelo honey. It comes from the swamp. I'm telling you again, my friends, it's all over this book. God makes things sweet that we don't understand where they come from. He is a God that is against all odds. I could go on. You know, I, I thought about sharing this honey and how sometimes we don't want to share this honey. When I first started preaching, I'd been ordained by the Lake Church. I went down to Savannah to St. Joseph Hospital. I was in a waiting room with Brother Carlton Brown. His wife was having surgery. Waiting room full of people. Brother Carlton stood up and said, Brother Randy, I want you to have prayer. Would you have prayer? I stood up and I said, Sir. He said, I want you to have prayer for, for you. I said, you mean right here? Right here, I was implying right here in front of everybody. You want me to do it? He said, yep, yeah, right now, you have prayer. Now, he's one of those guys when you pray with him, he grabs your hands, you know, you get around. I tell you, we started praying. I believe that whole waiting room was praying. I mean, that's sweet. That's sweet spirit. But you know, I had a part of me that said, no, I didn't want to do it out here. Somebody will see me. Samson said, here's the honey. But Samson never said, this is a lion I killed. Did you know that? You know, people get big on testimonies about some great thing they did. We went up to visit Earl Saxon the other day, a pastor and friend of mine, very sick right now, being prayed for Brother Earl. Earl picked up a tractor off his daddy one time. Fell on his dad, dad was working on it. He picked it up, literally picked it up. He's a big guy anyway, but he had this adrenaline. He said he was over in Bynes County preaching a while back and said, they said, Earl said, I want you to talk about the time you picked up the tractor off your daddy. Earl said, I'm not going to talk about that. He said, I'm going to talk about Jesus. He said, Jesus is the one we're talking about, not Earl Saxon, not Randy Waters. It's Jesus. He's our deliverer. He's the only one that can help you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the blessings being our help. We have no other help. But Lord, when you help us and you have so much, do not make us or allow us to neglect helping one another. Thank you, Lord, for your word this day to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are alive and you are our helper. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.